Stay tuned now for the local coronavirus update. Bad news on my feet. Bad news and good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Welcome back. Thank you. Happy Monday. Thank you. How was your weekend? It was lovely. Did you work at the hospital? I did not. Ah. So you don't have any news for us about hospitalizations for COVID? I do have hospitalization numbers. At least as of Friday, it was zero. Still? Yeah. Somebody was in and out um, since last week's show. But on Friday, um, we had no people hospitalized with COVID in Mendocino County. Wow, so we're holding pretty steady. We are, yes. And it really does reflect um, how effective these vaccines are at preventing severe illness. I mean, we've all heard at this point of this person or that person who you know, gets COVID after getting the vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. But you may get COVID, but you don't tend to get severely ill, um, which is quite good. Right. Do you have any numbers about how many cases, what are they calling it, post-vaccination infections in the county now? Do we know? I don't know if that's separately tallied. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just sort of anecdotally, they're certainly out there. Um, but it's probably at most in the hundreds, in the low hundreds, maybe a hundred. Um, if that, because our, our daily case count is two to three a day. I mean, we've added, to give you the numbers, uh, we've added 28 cases in seven days in the county. Um, oh, that's pretty good. So, And that keeps us down. That Those numbers are so low that now, here in Mendocino County, we've moved into the yellow tier. The yellow. The yellow tier. Yes. But the tears are going away in June, right? I will shed not a tear for the tears. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, so before we get too far into the the lunacy of COVID, um, let's run the numbers, shall we? Yep, let's do it. So 4,029 confirmed cases in the county as of Friday. So we did make it to 4,000. We made it to 4,001 as of last Monday. Um, 60 people or thereabouts in isolation or quarantine. Uh, We're adding about two cases a day um, on average. And our positivity is way down at 1.2%. California continues to be the best state in uh, the union in terms of cases per 100,000. Our case count is down, California's case count is down 24% over um, two-week running average, Um, and we're averaging slightly less than 2,000 cases a day in the state of California. The U.S. is down 27%, Um, and in fact, you know, states that had these really hot spots, uh, such as Michigan, have really brought their numbers down over the last couple of weeks. Um, so looking better generally. Unfortunately, the other number that is down is the vaccine rate. Uh, we were running around 3 million cases a day nationally. 3.2, I think, was sort of the peak. And now we're down to 2.4 million vaccines a day um, nationwide. Um, in the setting of, you know, still well under 50% vaccination rates, more like 32, 33%. Nationwide? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our county's much better. Um, it's hard to get an exact handle on that tally, um, but it's probably still hovering around 50 to 60%. For all eligible for adults? All, for all eligible adults mm-hmm. over the age of 16, yeah. I know they had a drive-through vaccination event at Ukiah High School for... For students 16 to 18 and their families this weekend. I didn't hear about how it went, but that was pretty exciting. Yeah, and there are more vaccine events coming up. It'll be interesting to see how well attended they are. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that as of Friday with the the COVID-19 briefing that the county gave that we broadcast at 3 o'clock, um, there hadn't been any more reported what they call breakthrough cases. But he said they were not calling them breakthrough cases. They're calling them post-vaccination infections, he being Dr. Corin, so Yeah, breakthrough can be a little bit ambiguous. But Sounds like a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But yes, there will be there will be cases like that, particularly as we see strains um, right. emerging and spreading. Um, there are already reports of the Brazilian strain in Northern California. We're not we don't have a lot of genetic surveillance um, in this county, so we're still flying fairly blind as to what flavor of COVID we're dealing with. But the numbers in general are quite good indeed. Also, um, I guess the headline on the front page of the Press Democrat today is that there's not, there's a kind of less and less optimism about the U.S. being able to achieve herd immunity due to our vaccination rates. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, the center was a Press Democrat's owned by the New York Times, so that was, that was lifted from the New York Times. Well, not anymore. I actually what? interviewed one of their reporters and I said that and she said, no, no. We've, we're now independent. We bought ourselves okay. from the New York Times. So, I know. Newsflash. I didn't yeah, know news this flash. either. All right. But well, they're still getting articles from the New York Times, I guess. Apparently. That is that Okay, so that was on the front page of the New York Times. Yes. So, what's the story there? So, the story is, it's sort of multi-factorial. Um, one is sort of, is the um, vaccine, vaccine reluctance, um, which may be as high as 30% in this country, which, if we're going to peg herd immunity at, say, 80% or 85%, um, the 30% of vaccine reluctance is significant. Um, and then um, it's really the variants. Um, and as this virus is evolving and there's some decreased efficacy of the vaccines, then you would need a higher uh, rate of vaccine uptake to get to the herd immunity. Mm -hmm. And I think as they're doing the math and looking at the reality um you know the the epidemiologists the cdc fauci etc are coming to the conclusion that we are never going to get to the 80 90 percent uh, that we need to see for the mythical herd immunity uh -huh. which means that we end up with a sort of a chronic thing and that's been sort of identified and recognized as a as the reality with covid going forward it's just going to be another one of these diseases that's in the population fortunately the vaccine keeps people from getting really sick from it generally um and it will fade into the background along with a lot of these other viruses and bacteria that we have in the general population so okay so for a long time now a few months that's mm. long long in pandemic in, in, in pandemic years, years yes um th well, they've been talking about this race that we're in to beat the new strains right if enough people get vaccinated then we win the race but if not enough people get vaccinated then the new strains win the race right so what does this mean if they're sort of throwing in the towel on the race well i don't think they're throwing in the towel on the race um it's it's still an effort an all-out effort to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible um because it will then slow the spread of these strains these variants the variants will spread um that that's inevitable um without you know without some sort of breakthrough in public health policy and public adherence um but what will happen um is that there will continue to be 
these strains amongst the population just at lower levels of penetrance and without causing the same sort of morbidity and mortality, hospital utilization, et cetera, that you know, we were concerned about early on in the pandemic. So will the, the whole idea of hotspots being generators for unvaccinated people being generators for new strains, um, will the same dynamic happen with people who are vaccinated? Like can vaccinated less people? Likely, less likely that you're going to see, you know, really sort of hot, hot spots uh, with a population that is well vaccinated. The caveat being if these strains, if a strain emerges that is highly resistant or not really con- corralled by the vac- by the immune status um, boosted by a vaccine, then we could see that. But then we would probably see a significant nationwide surge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hot spots will continue to happen and they will happen with greater frequency in, in those neighborhoods or in those regions that um, have lower vaccine uptake. That's just, you know, statistical modeling there. All right. Well, that doesn't sound too great. I mean, just like put it up there on the list with climate change and wildfire season and yeah i mean it it, it, things to look forward to the fortunate thing you know we're getting to a point where we're having a better understanding of this virus Uh, we still don't have great treatments for it Mm -hmm. once people get sick i mean we have some now um that have limited efficacy but that's kind of the reality with a lot of diseases particularly viral ones um and so you know we're getting to a point particularly with a high enough vaccination rate amongst the most vulnerable that this will be manageable mm-hmm. it's just going to be you know manageable with an asterisk and whether it means it's manageable with face masks in public you know that's that's an open question i think we'll probably see face masks fall away uh, from general use sometime you know late summer early fall um as the numbers continue to trend down but it's probably predictable even from the very beginning that we're never going to have a hard end to the pandemic it's not there like, will be no you know, hard end. one yes. day to the next we're done no there's you know you just can't have 35 million people get a viral illness in the u.s and then expect to get it eradicated mm-hmm. um that's that's just not ever going to happen right. the time to achieve that was in um, march when people were on the cruise ships mm-hmm. yes even then it was probably too late seeing what happened in new york All right. Well, this is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. It will be a call-in show. It is a call-in show. We have, we're going to end just slightly early, five minutes early today. So we're going to have a good 40 minutes for calls. If you have questions about COVID-19 or vaccinations or anything else, uh, the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. Oh, we should also thank everybody for all of the donations last last week. That was amazing. Thank you so much, everybody, for for supporting KZYX during the flash drive. Indeed. Thank you. That's great. And before we get to calls, should we talk about vaccine events? Let's do it. Okay, so we have both. We have testing opportunities and vaccine opportunities in the county this week. Um, Testing numbers have apparently fallen off dramatically, but testing is still available just like it always has been since late summer. Uh, The... Dr. Corin recommended to get tested once a month, whether you're vaccinated or not, to bring those numbers back up and also to make it so we can find index cases in time to control outbreaks. Does that make sense to you? It does if we had the capacity to truly and effectively isolate and quarantine people, which honestly we really have never achieved anywhere in this country. Okay. Life goals. Yes. <laughs> 
Sunday through Thursday in Ukiah, the OptumServe site is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's Sunday through Thursday in Ukiah. Um, and on Tuesdays uh, in Fort Bragg, the Vets Hall is a vaccination site, and that's from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Did you say vaccination or testing? Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Good catch. Testing site. Fort Bragg, Tuesdays 9 to 5 at the Vets Hall is for testing. It's an OptumServe site. And then they're doing, the county has an OptumServe travel team uh, for testing that's in um, Laytonville and Willits this week. They are traveling around and they do mobile testing on Fridays. So this Friday they'll be in Laytonville and Willits. Uh, and there's also testing at Consolidated Tribal Health. Um, symptomatic people should go to their clinics and providers for testing rather than these surveillance testing sites. Okay, so that's for testing. Uh, vaccine opportunities this week. All vaccines are free and accessible to everyone. Uh, Pfizer is available 16 and up, and Moderna is available. Moderna and Johnson & Johnson are for 18 and up. County events. Um, let's see. On May 4th, that is tomorrow. Tuesday? Yes. Uh, Willits is having a Pfizer first and second dose event at the Willits Community Center. That's a Mendocino County Public Health event. Um, on May 5th in Ukiah at the Ukiah Fairgrounds, there is a Pfizer first and second dose vaccination event. That's from 1 to 7 p.m. Uh, on May 6th in Mendocino at Mendocino Presbyterian Church, uh, there's a Pfizer first and second dose event from 3 to 6 p.m., so 3 to 6 in the afternoon. And then local um, FQHCs, the federally yes. qualified health centers, our local clinics around the county are also doing vaccinations. And Mendocino Coast Clinics announced that they had made their 7,000th, wow. I think that was how many? I mean, it's amazing. Um, so RCMS and Wallala... They're having Pfizer vaccines available on Saturdays and during clinic visits. Uh, May 8th, they're having a second-dose Pfizer event. You need to call RCMS to sign up for those. They are by appointment or call only. Don't, don't walk in. Uh, Mendocino Coast Clinics, on the other hand, is having May is for Moderna uh, Friday drive-through clinics. Um, this is from 5.30 to 7.30 at Mendocino Coast Clinics. You can call to find out more at 964-1251. Sounds like a very convenient way to get this done. Yes. Um, Anderson Valley Health Center is holding vaccine events on Thursdays. Um, and what do you do? You know anything more about that? I don't know what they're going to be doing this Thursday. Okay, uh, it's kind of at the mercy of the allotment. Uh, right. So May sixth, I have second dose Moderna. First doses are available by request, and they are allowing drop-ins. Yeah, and the, the the rate of uptake in the at least in the Anderson Valley uh, Health Center service area is very high. It's We're excellent. talking one or two hundred more people that need to be vaccinated. Uh, really? Full stop. Yeah. It's, oh wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Good job, Anderson Valley. I'm impressed. Proud to be here. Yeah. Um, and those are happening at Anderson Valley High School. Those events. Yes, they have little mini drive-through events still. Yeah. Nice. Um, that's where I first got my first test. It brings a tear to your eye. That, it literally, literally did. Yeah. Many tears. Yeah. It hurt. Um, doesn't hurt anymore. Consolidated Tribal Health is offering Moderna first doses on Wednesday the 5th in the morning, and they're doing Moderna second doses in the afternoon. That's Consolidated Tribal Health in Redwood Valley. Um, Adventist Health Ukiah Valley has vaccines available for their patients. You can sign up for an appointment uh, 
by scheduling uh, oh wait no how does this work they are going to offer these at a, some future time so sign call them sign up for an appointment and they are going to do a future combined clinic that's the adventist health uh, in ukiah and then we just have a couple more willits bechtel creek clinic is doing vaccinations on tuesdays and fridays they have pfizer second doses available and some moderna please call them first to schedule and in Laytonville, long valley health center is doing vaccinations on tuesdays and friday clinics from 10 a.m to noon they have second dose moderna by appointment or walk-in and round valley indian health center saturday may 15th they're having a big vaccination event at the clinic 10 a.m to 12 p.m first or second doses drive-throughs and walk-ins are welcome Phew. that's a lot yeah a lot of places to get the vax and everybody can do it it's free and there aren't any like proof of anything that you have to offer anymore so if you've been waiting until it got easier now's the time and also none of us are having really awful side effects from this in the long term so the longer that it goes on the more assured you should feel that it's it's okay yeah i mean there are there are rare and serious side effects from the vaccine but the frequency is much lower than the rare and serious effects of the illness so if one can add or subtract then you should get the vaccine yes and even if one can't well that would require a more prolonged conversation i gotta say actually anecdotally you know one thing i ask now when i see people at work is if they've been vaccinated and perhaps when and the rate of um, reluctance or um, not the rate of no's um, is surprisingly high. I mean, oh, our, really? Oh, I was hoping that was going to end it. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you know, anecdotally, I'd say it's probably 25 to 35% of the patients that I see who say no. And then I might have a mini conversation as to why, depending on how busy I am. Um, but it's it's startling. Even even people who are at high risk of doing quite poorly with COVID um, will occasionally say, "Nope, not going to get it." And so. then what happens? Like anecdotally, what is the range of reasons that people have? Um, it's pretty wide. You know, it's really everything from it doesn't seem like it's a severe illness. I'm going to take my chances. Um, with to, COVID. Yeah, to um, I'm worried about the you know the purity of my body and putting that medication into my body you know as they're there needing medication for some other medical condition. It just it's you know it's it's a lot of fear based mm-hmm. uh, concerns um, you know with some perhaps bad information. There's only so much one can do in the setting of emergency room intervention in that in that regard but it's certainly prevalent in the county mm-hmm. yeah well it's all that bad information too it's if you have a fear and and somebody can kind of reinforce that fear by telling you a bunch of stuff that's not true you know it is really really challenging it is and you know there's also a fair amount of fatalism amongst certain people when it comes to health uh conditions mm-hmm. you know it's it's hard to get people to take blood pressure medicines or get their cholesterol checked or get breast cancer or any other sort of cancer screening and a lot of that you know besides sort of the barriers to health care has to do with lack of um engagement in protecting mm-hmm. one's own health and covid unfortunately is just no different and, and probably trust in 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 medicine and procedures that you don't understand and yeah 
No, and you know, there's there's very good reason to not trust medicine. Um, you know, particularly as it's delivered in this country. Yeah. Um, there are a myriad of reasons to not trust big pharma, which has developed these vaccines. So, I it, it makes sense at some level. Um, at least it has a rational basis, like any good conspiracy story. Um, but, um, or quasi rational basis, but. Yeah, it's it's still disconcerting when I'm talking to a 75-year-old with chronic medical conditions who hasn't yet been vaccinated. It's it it, it, it takes me aback. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, when you first said that, I thought you were talking about coworkers because I've heard that there are a lot of um, folks in the medical profession who are vaccine hesitant. There are some. I wouldn't say it's a lot. It's not a lot. Um, That's but good. there there are some um, who have continued to hold out. Um, not a lot, uh, at least not a lot of people that I work with, mm-hmm. um, but they're out there, yeah. All right, well, do you want to open up the phone lines? Sure. All right, the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. Curious to hear what's on your minds today, so let's let's take our first call. Hello, caller, you're live mm-hmm. on the air. Yeah, hi. Um, are you guys familiar with what gaslighting is? Yes. So when I listen to you guys talk, because I'd be under the category of vaccine hesitancy, mm-hmm. because I don't want to put something that's um, an experiment inside okay. my body I'll, right I'll now. I'll cut you off right there. But but, no, I'll guys, cut you off right there. It's extreme. Um, we're not, it's not an experiment. These are randomized, uh, controlled trials. Um, and so I really don't need, if, if you don't like vaccinations, if you don't like um, medicine-based or science-based discussions, um, don't come on and accuse me of gaslighting because that's not what we do here. Let's take the next caller. All right. <laughs> gaslighting is a pretty charged word. Yeah, well. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yes, uh, I, I know this is a redundant question, but my wife and I, uh, hello? Yes, hi, you're live on the air. How are you doing? Okay, uh, my wife and I, our, our daughter and son-in-law and her child want to come up in June. We're both fully vaccinated, and I would just like to know, the daughter goes to school and she's been in school, and I know it's a redundant question, but what do you, what do you think? It's pretty safe for us to have them here at our house, isn't it, if we're both fully vaccinated and both of her parents are fully vaccinated? Yeah, I think if... I think if this is these are family members um, who whose risk sort of profile is similar to yours um, or risk sort of or degree of caution around COVID um, is similar to what you're comfortable with, and they are vaccinated as well, then that that's quite safe. I, I wouldn't recommend against having that type of a visit. Yeah, well, it, the daughter is not vaccinated. Of course, she's ten years old. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't understand. We're talking about a child. Yeah. So that's yeah. that. That's also quite safe. We just there's not a lot of data, um, not a lot of evidence to show that kids are getting COVID and spreading it to adults. I mean, it happens, um, and it's not zero risk, but. Um, if you're fully, if you and your wife are fully vaccinated, having a grandchild or a child in the house is quite low risk indeed. Okay, so and her parents are vaccinated and we're vaccinated, so it's 
real low risk, probably, right? I, yeah, and the way I think about it is it's kind of like, you know, having um, a grandchild visit during flu season, right? I mean, if, if you get the flu shot, you're unlikely to get very sick from flu. Uh, children carry flu much more, but the sort of bad outcomes are still lower than with COVID. Um, and, you know, it's not like grandparents don't see grandchildren during flu season. Um, and your risk is now contained enough with your vaccination status um, that that at least in my analysis and in my sort of um, risk-benefit um, equation, I, I think that's entirely reasonable. Okay, and another question just kind of off the cuff. When you, did you like living in Tennessee when you, lived, when you went to Vanderbilt? <laughs> that is off the cuff, yes. I, I loved living in, in Nashville, Tennessee. I was there for a decade. Yeah, I was there for a decade, too. It's, it's, it's changed a lot probably since you've been there. It's growing, growing, growing. Eight years in Boston as well. Um, so it's good well, to be back in California. We're glad to have you back here. Thank right. you. Here, Thank here. You. Thanks All for right. the call. All right. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. I'm live on the air right now? Yes, you, you are. are. Yes. Um, yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you know... I don't know who it was that just called in, but you hung up on that guy. I'm wondering, isn't this public radio? Yeah, but we're talking... I'm not going to sit on the radio and be accused of gaslighting and talk about um, experiments, which are neither um, fact-based or reasonable. So, do you have a question for me, or are you just editorializing? Uh, well, I was just kind of wondering, because I've never heard of gaslighting. I don't know anything about it. And I was just kind of wondering why you hung up on him. Yeah, it's a pretty charged term. It comes from uh, trying to describe abuse. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that was what that was about. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks for the call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. um, So much for gaslighting, huh? (laughs) Um, My question is, um, for people that need to use the Adventist system in our county, um, are all the employees, especially those that deal with direct patient care, required to be vaccinated? Um, And I'll um, take my answer after I hang up. Thank you. Sure. So, no, there is not a vaccination requirement. Um, I don't think there's any um, organization um, in the county that actually is requiring vaccination um, for COVID. Um, and in fact, I'm not even sure if there are any organizations statewide or nationwide that are mandating um, vaccination. Um, I think that's been a public policy decision um, tacitly or explicitly, um, both at federal, state, and local levels, um, as well as from big healthcare organizations. I'm not sure I agree with that, um, but I can assert that um, all people in the healthcare setting, uh, healthcare setting, um, are fully masked and you know doing sort of the, the the COVID precautions to prevent transmission, which we know works quite well indeed. Um, and so that I think is at least mitigating um, the small number of holdouts uh, who are not wanting to get vaccinated, uh, who happen to work in healthcare. All right. Do you want to take that email? 
Sure. So we have an email question um, asking whether I think it's safe to ride around side by side in a utility vehicle um, with unvaccinated people as long as I wear either a mask or an N90, a cloth mask or an N95. Um, Yes, I mean, I, I think if we're talking about a utility vehicle, we're talking about a quad or something like that, um, a, a ranch vehicle of some sort. I think that's totally fine because you're outdoors and you have moving air. Um, masking is fine. I don't think it needed to be an N95. And even if your colleagues are unmasked, that risk is still going to be quite low in a moving open vehicle. So I think that's entirely acceptable. Um, I should note that the caveat being that that person or those people doing that sort of activity are vaccinated. Um, I think that's essential. I would not recommend um, riding in a closed vehicle, like a over-the-road vehicle, uh, with the windows up, certainly, with somebody who's not masked. Um, I just, that risk is still, that's a pretty tight space with poor ventilation. Um, it's a two-part question, actually. Uh, for fully vaccinated people from different households, is it safe or advisable to share a vehicle to go somewhere? If so, would you draw the line at trips over a certain number of hours? Uh, for example, trip to Sacramento, three and a half hours, or so one and a half hours to Mendocino. Should I wear a cloth mask or an N95? Do you think it would be okay to share a car? So this is for um, fully vaccinated people in the same vehicle together. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty low risk. Um, you're talking about somebody um, presuming that you trust this person, which you probably do if you're going to be in a car for three and a half hours, um, presuming that you trust the person to disclose if they're symptomatic. Uh, the statistical likelihood that a fully vaccinated person is going to be shedding live virus uh, with some sort of asymptomatic illness um, and spreading it to you, who is vaccinated, is quite quite low. I mean, it's hard to put a number on it, um, but I, I think that's a, a reasonable risk. It should be done with the windows cracked, at least, to, per, uh, to improve circuit airflow. Um, it, it's, it's, all, it's all up to one's comfort level. If you're in your 80s, um, then even if you're vaccinated, it's probably not worth doing a round trip to Sacramento and back with somebody who's not in your household. Um, I just I, The risk-benefit still doesn't auger for doing something like that until the numbers drop a little bit more and there's greater clarity around some of these strains. But we're doing pretty well in California, so maybe we'll get, we'll get there. The numbers will continue to get better. One hopes. All right. 895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Let's take our next call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Yeah, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, great. I want to thank you for the show um, for the many months and over a year now that you guys have been there for us, giving us good information. Long COVID um, indeed. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are exhausted. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, but, you know, I am vaccinated, and I just want to say I do feel better um, having been vaccinated. I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. I did want to share one concern I have, yeah. which is I feel like our culture is on this edge right now where we're going to start blaming people who aren't vaccinated for the disease, um, similar to what we heard with um, Trump talking about the China virus and so forth. I heard on the radio last weekend on left, right, and center, um, one of the commentators said that all Mexicans who don't get vaccinated are And he said um, I just think it's, it's really disrespectful, and we have to look 
and what we call vaccine hesitancy, which seems to be like its own medical label now, um, we have to look and, and accept that some of these people lack trust, um, just like we were the gaslighting and abuse thing that was brought up earlier. Some of these people have been abused. Um, some of these people have lost people in the medical industry, you know, to malpractice or other things. Um, so, you know, I think we need some compassion towards people who aren't vaccinated um, and need to prevent um, our media and other people in our community um, from, you know, closing the door on people's faces who aren't vaccinated. Certainly, we all need to be very cautious, um, but the, the risk of racism uh, and prejudice um, is not going to help us uh, overcome this thing, I don't believe. It's certainly not going to help people get vaccinated if they're being marginalized and um, called out. So I just wanted to share that, and thank you for the opportunity to chat. Yeah, no, I think I think you make um, a series of very good points. Um, you know, there are obvious uh, communication barriers that are leading to vaccine. You know, we, we used to call it anti-vaxxer, but that, that fell by the wayside just because it was too charged or too loaded um, yeah, or too prejudicial charged. of a term. Um, so vaccine hesitancy or the vaccine reluctant or the vaccine adverse is sort of taken stead, um, which I think is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But your point about you know needing to maintain channels of communication is certainly um, valid. I also think that there's a significant uh, fraction of the people who have not been vaccinated whose barrier really is not one of sort of knee-jerk reluctance, reluctance to be vaccinated, but it's a lack of um, access to good medical care. It's mm -hmm. a lack of access to good medical information. Um, and then lastly, or note about, you know, people having some reason to dis distrust big medicine and big pharma is valid, and it's certainly one that I've spoken to over the course of this year. I you know, I, I haven't seen these news reports that you reference, or I haven't heard them, um, but it's certainly going to become a risk that we, if we start to blame the persistence of this pandemic on the people who are not vaccinated, it's going to, you know, the anti-vaccinated or the unvaccinated fraction of people will obviously lead to more persistence of the disease um, but at this point the disease is so disseminated in our population that even if we were to be all fully vaccinated uh, we will still have a low-level background um, COVID um, that's just going to be part of our future herd immunity um, or not yeah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate all that. And that, that show was an NPR show, Left, Right, and Center. I was really surprised to hear someone calling out Mexican people as Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty um, shocking. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, but thank you guys so much for what you're doing, and uh, keep it up. I yeah. appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hey, guys. Great show. I'm just curious about censorship a little bit on public radio, and I'll keep this sweet and short. Um, I kind of get why you cut off a caller early ago, uh, earlier, but I thought that one of the KZOX or the, uh, the station's policies for, like, the broadcasters was after so many times that you slip a bad word that your show would be gone. But you guys just let a guy say a swear word in Spanish like four times in a row and didn't cut him off at all. And uh, I just want to leave it at that. Thank I you. thought I did take care of that, but... Maybe it got through. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, we don't have a policy that 
we don't have editorial ability when somebody's calling in with information that is either hate speech or that we find damaging in some way or another. And, and so that's just the reality of being on the radio is that there are editorial decisions that get made. Yes, and you know, if somebody calls in and says I'm gaslighting, that's fine, but I, I do feel like it's more appropriate perhaps to call in with concerns or points uh, rather than ad hominem attacks on the show or on me personally. And I will ask that Alicia um, lower that caller's volume um, if we're moving in that direction. In that direction. As for uh, profanity, I that's... That's between KZYX and the and FCC. Our it's, overlords yes. at the FCC. Yes. Well, and I, I did try to drop all of that, but I'm sorry. Apparently, I didn't, but I did try to. Um, so, yeah, so don't swear in any language on KZYX when you call in. <laughs> That's a tall order. <laughs> I mean, at least I understand the, the swearing in Spanish, but, you know. Okay, can we move on? Eight nine five two four four eight. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, what a propitious moment. Uh, of course, I've been a long time caller. My name's Steve. I'm over here in Cobb Mountain. And any event, uh, yeah. To, to sidetrack from the topic, happy that Dr. Drew had a little vacay. This last weekend, I could hear it in his voice. He's a lot more relaxed lately. <laughs> Actually, I was cutting trees on my property, so, you know, that, I guess, relaxes me. Oh. Yeah. Well, it uh, works with stress, you know? <laughs> Killing things always yeah. helps. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'm no doctor, but uh, I was double up. My question is basically, uh, I, I was double vaxxed. And I, I feel, I don't feel like I'm invulnerable, but I'm hearing of like restaurants and, and musicians and bands and bars. And what's the, what's the to do thing in, in that locale? And that's my question. I'm sorry, your question, could you repeat your question for me, Steve? <laughs> Maybe. No, just that uh, should you feel safe enough to run rampant and eat out in restaurants and bars yeah, uh, I, without a mask? Is that the way the trend is going? Yeah, I, I think we're getting there. Um, you know, it's it's still a little bit fraught, I think, in an indoor dining or bar situation. Bars in particular tend to be very crowded and loud places um, with presumably a lot of droplets and aerosols. Restaurants, less so. Um, and so particularly as the summer approaches us, and most of these restaurants have made considerable efforts to allow for outdoor dining or high airflow indoor dining, uh, which if you're fully vaccinated and the restaurant is still limiting its capacity somewhat, I think that's fine at this point. Um, the, only, the only caveat might be is if even, even if you're fully vaccinated but are quite elderly or have multiple risk conditions, you might insist on staying outside before you go indoors to take your mask off to eat. 
Um, but yeah, I think we're moving toward you know live music events probably by the end of the summer. Um, I think movie theaters will be a reasonable option probably with every other row roped off. Um, you know, probably by the end of June, early July. Um, that's where we're headed. I hope. I mean, it could still swing quickly as we have seen over and over again. These surges creep up on us. Uh, yes, sir. Well, thank you for your report, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Steve. All right. Thanks for Bye. the call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, maybe not unexpectedly. The phone lines are lighting up, so let's take a few more calls. <laughs> maybe they want to gaslight us. <laughs> Hello, caller. You're live well, on the air. Hello? Hello. Hello. Go ahead. You're live on the air. Okay. Uh, yes. I was wondering if you all knew a site that uh, could that you trust that people that are hesitant about the vaccine because of their own personal medical conditions could go to to see if uh, there have been bad reactions to any of the medicines like is there an accumulation of complaints uh, that are proven to be actual Hmm. problems yeah so there's yeah so there there's you know, there's the vaccine report, adverse ap- uh, event reporting uh, data set, uh, which is not verified. It simply is uh, self-reported. You call in and or you write in or you go online to report um, possible effects. And then that data is pooled and analyzed um, both by um, the um the drug maker that manufactures whatever drug or vaccine it may be, um, but then also um, by the FDA. Um, But as for specific diseases and adverse events clustered um, around people who have been vaccinated with a specific disease, I haven't seen that data break out um, in any way that's reliable. Um, so if you're if you are hesitant to get vaccinated, uh, secondary to some sort of disease that you may or may not have, I think that's probably a conversation that is best had with your healthcare provider. Um, just because there are obviously so many diseases and so many variables uh, in play. In general, um, most medical conditions um, that we all have tend to be uh, well you know, matched with the vaccine. Um, and a lot of medical conditions that, for example, weaken one's immune system um, or cause sort of chronic debility, uh, a lot of those conditions lead to worse outcome with COVID. Um, we know that. Um, and so it's in general beneficial um, taken as a whole to get vaccinated even with all medical conditions. Now what what we unfortunately know is for the immune suppressed, for the sort of medically immune suppressed or those who have um, significant um, disease treatment um, that's suppressing their immune system, um, then we unfortunately know that the vaccines don't work as well either. Um, and so that's, you know, that may be confounding some people's analysis as to whether to get vaccinated or not. Yeah. And when I got vaccinated, they asked me about um, if I was allergic to any medications. And I said, no, but I 
thought, oh, well, I know someone that is allergic or seems to have bad reaction from the medication and does, is not interested in getting vaccinated, not enthused about it. So um, I guess I was wondering if, if there was a place that wasn't out of whack that uh, they could go to to Yeah, to no, it's, it's not clear what kind of allergy one would have actually that would preclude one from getting the vaccine these vaccines don't i mean for example the flu vaccine is often um packaged with an egg derivative and so if you have a high allergy to eggs then you might forego the the flu vaccine on an annual basis but these are um these are not packaged with any sort of um carrier that may trigger an, aller- an allergic reaction um Obviously, we ask people before we give them any sort of medication, do you have a history of anaphylaxis? And if so, what too? Um, but for as for allergies, I'm not aware, and maybe some listeners are, but I'm not aware of any allergy um, that would preclude um, safe administration of this vaccine. But as for, your, right. as for your database that's reliable and accessible, I'm not sure that exists yet, um, unfortunately. I, I think it's really a conversation that has to happen uh, with your provider to talk about specific concerns and what we may or may not know. Um, and unfortunately, we just may not have that data on hand yet. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. All right. Thanks for that call, caller. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. We're taking calls for another 10 minutes or so. Going to end a little bit early today. Uh, this is Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Uh, good afternoon. My comment is uh, to some of the callers and the guy who is blaming you for gaslighting um we're all human and there's a lot of fear out there from coming probably from just about everybody um and the people who are there are people who are afraid of their their needle phobia and that's a real condition in and of itself so i do have a question um and that is um are people who've been vaccinated, uh, I guess I have two questions. One is uh, I've had the Pfizer vaccine uh, Friday. I'll be two weeks into it. Do, do I have maximum immunity at that point, or do I have to wait a few more days or another week? And the second question is is um, people who've been vaccinated and they end up being positive for COVID or end up being sick with COVID, do they... Is there any documentation that anybody has been a long hauler with that? Um, Okay, so your first question, um, when do you have maximum immunity? That's it's really 10 days after your second dose. Um, that's kind of the threshold. If you want to wait two weeks, then you're about as good as you're going to get at that point. Um, and that applies for both the Pfizer and the Moderna, um, as well as a single shot J&J. Two weeks after that, you're sort of maximized at that point. Um, as for your second question, um, you know, getting COVID after the vaccine does not immediately translate into being a long hauler. That 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 re- that refers more to, and I might be misunderstanding your question, but that refers more to people who are having protracted um, physical ailments or symptoms um, after contracting COVID, and. 
back in the summer um, or even into the fall, it really was thought generally that you had to be symptomatic with COVID to become a COVID long hauler. Unfortunately, we're seeing more and more people with long COVID symptoms whose initial COVID illness was one of um, minimal or no symptoms, um, which is kind of surprising, frankly, and also fairly chilling um, because you can get a what may feel like a mild cold and then have chronic lung problems or heart problems or kidney problems or blood clotting problems um, for months and perhaps years, we don't know yet, um, from you know what seemed like a fairly benign course of COVID. Yeah, my, well, yeah, and my question is, is that, can that happen after you've been vaccinated? Has that happened to people? Yes, I, I mean, anecdotally, yes, I'm sure it has. Um, we don't have great data on that yet because, you know, vaccines haven't really uh, reached a high level of the percent of the population, you know, up until a month or so ago. Um, and that's not long enough to call it long COVID yet. So we don't have, you know, we don't have enough time, um, uh, for better or for worse, to have a solid answer there. But I think it's safe to say that as we know people are going to get COVID after they're vaccinated, uh, then I think people will perhaps get long COVID, although we might ultimately see that vaccination um, and subsequent infection of COVID um, does not lead at the same frequency uh, to long COVID. That is, you know, that's something that we're still waiting to see, and that's just a question of time at this point. All right, caller, thanks okay. for the question. Appreciate okay, thank it. you very much. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Hello, caller, you're live on the air. <laughs> Yeah, hi. Uh, I I just wanted to... Hold on one second. Let me turn this down. What is that? Sounds like a TARDIS. (laughs) A TARDIS? Yeah, so (laughs) I I heard this real interesting interview with the former Pfizer vice president, and I highly suggest people check it out. It's on the Progressive Radio Voice. Okay. And he's the ex-Pfizer... He was ex-Pfizer guy. Real interesting interview. He had a lot to say about the vaccines. And I think everybody should go check it out. Okay. All right. Yeah. We will. Thank you. Thank you. 895-2448 is the number to call in. Lines are open for another five minutes or so. 895-2448. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, Hi, I have a question about visitors in my home. I'm 75 and I'm fully vaccinated, and the couple that's coming, one of the people is uh, fully vaccinated, but the other one uh, had evidently a a quite bad reaction to the first uh, vaccine, and her doctor, she says, recommended that she not get the second. So I'm just wondering if that's a safe situation for me. Well, it's less safe, um, no doubt about it. And I don't know if you're talking about people who are going to be staying in your home or if this is... Yeah, yeah. staying in my home. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's still fairly low risk. I mean, we know that, and I don't know how long ago this one-dose vaccine person was dosed. Do you have any sense of how long ago that might have occurred? 
You know, I don't, but I can find out. Because that, that would actually uh, change the analysis slightly. I mean, one of the reasons why we need a booster shot with these two um, versions of the vaccine is it it produces more durable immunity, uh, which is to say it's longer-lasting immunity. Um, and a single dose might produce, or may be expected to produce, fairly good immunity, um, perhaps for three to four months, maybe even a little bit longer, even without the booster. So if this person has been you know, relatively recently vaccinated, then that person probably has fairly good active immunity still, um, even with just the one dose. Um, and then, and thus, you know, you could safely conclude that this is a fairly low risk event. If it's been longer, if this person, for example, is a healthcare worker and was vaccinated back in December, then that's a more fraught question. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And I've so appreciated the show all this time of the pandemic. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Glad you're listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We got time for another one. Hey, caller. Oops. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Uh, yes, um, I have a, I'm a octogenarian and... Um, Congratulations. I, yeah. Big pardon? Congratulations, go on. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, sometimes my breathing is not as, as good as I would like it, especially with a mask. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I'm thinking I, I've been vaccinated twice and awaited the appropriate amount of time. And... Uh, I I, uh, I I give myself the opportunity to breathe in without the, the mask that I'm wearing, and then I breathe out into the mask. So I'm not giving someone else uh, um, a, a, a possible virus. And I wondered if that's ethical. And you're doing this, I take it, in public spaces, indoor, enclosed public spaces? <laughs> Uh, and outside, I, uh, I just like when I start feeling I, I need to have a, a real uh, direct breath, I, I take it and then I breathe it into my nas- mask. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't think this is unethical. You're fully vaccinated and you're obviously being very thoughtful about this. Um, and, you know, breathing is, you know, somewhat uh, important. Um, so if if you're if you're wearing a mask um, to the extent that you're capable of doing so uh, fully vaccinated, and even if you're inside and need to inhale by pulling your mask down, um I, I think that risk to the, the other people in the store is so low um, and so de minimis that, you know, this is certainly not unethical behavior. I guess the only caveat would be, I presume you're doing things that need to be done. Um, so, you know, if, if this is sort of essential activities uh, where you're going indoors, then fine. If this is sort of, you know, kind of things that you could let slide for another month or two, then maybe it becomes more of an ethical issue. But I, I, I think you get a free pass on this one. Okay, well, thank you so much, and thank you so much for the show. Well, thank um, you. And, and the whole Colfax family, I mean, it's kind of wonderful that you're here with us. Well, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, caller. Appreciate it. What about putting your hand over your mouth when you walk through a room when you've forgotten your mask or putting your shirt up over your face because you forgot your mask? I I have seen people wear the shirt. I I, I like that. (laughs) I've actually, you know, a couple times walked 
started walking into the ER forgetting to put my mask up and I just tell people I've been holding my breath but holding your breath that was the other tactic I know we've all tried all these ridiculous things yeah we've all been there I mean it's been a long time forgetfulness will occur um okay well that's gonna do it sounds good great show thanks yeah it was was lively lively show Yeah, yeah, yeah well um we'll be back next Monday indeed from three to four o'clock with the local coronavirus update any last words just be safe be kind as one caller pointed out i think we need more kindness and compassion um you know this is fraught times and though it's less tense than it was a year ago we're still all struggling with this so be conscientious be cordial be courteous and most of all be safe yeah we're all struggling with it after having lived it lived with it for it's 14 been a, months, it's so. been a long long horrible year i was going to use some profanity but (laughs) no have to dump it obscure language (laughs) we should start learning anyway (laughs) all right that's going to do it for us we'll be back on monday next week from three to four o'clock with more answers to your coronavirus questions thanks so much to dr drew colfax i'm alicia bales live in the studio thanks to you all for listening and for supporting kzyx You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening. Thank you.